you know, it's tough maybe in one way to look at that because if you're working at Google or Facebook, you might say, well, why would I not want to have as much of that stock? Look at what it's done over the last 10 years. You know, as I brought up a little bit earlier, you know, Bear Stearns, Anderson Consulting, you know, General Motors, WorldCom, Lehman Brothers, these are all companies that some of them have been around for over 150 years. So you don't think that that's something that can happen, but it, it really is a, a reality. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into All Things Retirement. I have Ben George alongside Anthony Alfo, and we are uh, into 2020. The new decade is underway and also quick start. Really, with all the news happening in finance and nationally, internationally, how's everything started for you, Anthony? Everything's been great. I had a uh, first uh, Christmas and New Year's with uh, my newborn daughter, so yeah. that was a lot of fun watching her You know, eat wrapping paper and... Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. It's always, I had my first two and it was next year will be, I think a lot more fun. She'll be much more aware, but it was still cool having her around for that holiday. It's always a pretty special one. So I know you'll remember it uh, for, for the rest of your life, much like I will as well. So that's right. It was a little more for us. This yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah. All the pictures and all that stuff, yeah. the memory. So the well, next cool. 25 are for her. <laughs> yeah. And beyond probably too. Right. Yep. Uh, well, cool. Well, Anthony is the certified financial planner and founder of Cardinal Wealth Group. We talk all kinds of financial topics, retirement planning, insurance, social security, a lot of different topics. Today, we're focusing on the main one today is going to be on bias in financial media. It's going to be a conversation we talk about. Look, you hear fake news a lot, but there really is bias in all types of media now. It's just a way that media is structured. It's about entertainment many times more than information. So we're going to talk about ways in which you can identify and where you can find bias in financial media. And then we'll have a mailbag question we'll take a little bit later on in the show. But I want to start things off with, uh, we you know, we try to, Anthony, we haven't really done this yet because we're new. This is our third episode here on the podcast. But what I like to do is maybe get a little more information about clients, get a client story out of you, really so the listeners can kind of get an idea of, you know, what you do on a day-to-day and so maybe have an experience they can relate to with somebody you've worked with before. So, you know, one of the big things, obviously, what we try to do with this show and what you try to do every day at Cardinal Wealth Group is to help people get to that retirement date as they choose and be able to retire when they're ready to retire. But do you have a story or can you remember a client you've worked with that probably should be retired, but still had to work due to certain circumstances or something that maybe happened with their planning process early on or whatever that was? Do you have a story like that you can share? Yeah, I certainly do. I have a client that we've been together now for about three years before He was a client, obviously, he shared a little bit about his situation, their family situation with me. In this case, it was somebody who had worked at a large developer, publicly traded, and he actually was saving a good amount of his 401k savings into company stock. He was also being matched in his 401k with company stock, and he also had a stock purchase plan where you could purchase additional shares of company stock at a discount. And he had informed me at one time, he had about 50% of his 401k in the company stock. Wow! And at that time, the company stock was in his 401k worth a 
over a million dollars. And at the time when I met with them, it was worth about $50,000. Um, so in that regard, I think that would be somebody who would have probably been retired if I, even before I'd met him, but his 401k went, uh, which was over $2 million, you know, basically in half over a very quick period. And, you know, I think that that's something that would recall, you know, towards what's called home bias, where you kind of feel like you have a good sense of, you know, something that you do on a daily basis that's familiar to you, you know, working at a company, you probably don't think much like that. And, you know, certainly those people who maybe worked at Bear Stearns or Lehman Brothers weren't thinking that same type of thing as well. And this person, you know, we've we made adjustments, though, to help him going forward where he is still working. He just had, you know, a pretty good type of lifestyle where he was used to spending a pretty good amount of money with, you know, a million dollar nest egg. Although some people hearing this might say, well, a million dollars, you know, that heck, that's a lot of money and I would be mm -hmm. fine. But it also matters how much you need to spend each and every year. So, you know, we were able to put together a plan that, you know, works for him and where he's working more part time has a better work-life balance where he's working about three days a week. He can work from home, take some time off, which allows him to kind of transition into that retirement plan, quasi-retirement phase, and making the best of you know their current situation today going forward. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a great story. I mean, that's, you know, I was thinking more along the lines of something where somebody did something wrong, but I mean, that's something where I mean, obviously the strategy might not have been perfect along the way, but that's something that was out of his control. And, uh, but it's good that he was able to kind of get that back on track. And, you know, it takes me to the mailback question. I was going to say this for later, but it ties in perfectly to the story. So I want to go ahead and ask it to you now and kind of continue this conversation. And this one came in from Dave. Um, and he asked, unless my company's entire board of directors gets in trouble for sexual harassment, which I guess is possible these days, I feel really confident about our future potential and growth. How much company stock is too much to own in my 401k? So tying into that same conversation, what would you advise somebody in terms of how much stock they actually should have in their portfolio? Yeah, and that certainly ties into what we were just talking about. And, you know, you did say he didn't really do anything wrong, which is, I think, definitely true. But I would say, for the most part, having, you know, 50% of your retirement nest egg in one company stock is probably not the smartest thing to do. Now, with that said, and with Dave's question, um, you know, it's tough maybe in one way to look at that, because if you're working at Google or Facebook, you might say, well, why would I not want to have as much of that stock? Look at what it's done over the last 10 years. And but with that said, you know, as I brought up uh, a little bit earlier, you, you know, Bear Stearns, Anderson Consulting, you know, General Motors, WorldCom, Lehman Brothers, these are all companies that some of them have been around for over 150 years. So you don't think that that's something that can happen, but it, it really is a, a reality. So if I had, and assuming, you know, this is somebody getting closer to retirement, I would say that somewhere in that 5% world, maybe 10% uh, is a good number, a max number that I would probably be okay with if it was one of my clients, or at least I'd be bringing it up to them. You know, I think having your nest egg more than that is really just going to bring on a lot more risk than what the value of the upside is there. 
Okay. So five, about 5% is kind of a, of course, you got to know the entire situation and see where they are in their, in their career, how close to retirement, all those things, but just kind of the general guideline to go by 5%. And, and, you know, you mentioned those companies have been around forever. I might even think like in this day and age, even like a Facebook technology is shifting so quickly that, you know, overnight, almost a company could be in serious danger to a competitor because things are happening so fast. So quickly. And, and you, gr- you bring up a great point. And, you know, you have uh, WeWork, which is yeah. another company that was going to uh, go public. And then, you know, they back down. And these companies like Facebook, Snap, they're, they're really young companies when you think about it at the end of the day. So their shifts can uh, take place a lot quicker. And the other thing that people don't always think about is that you're actually deriving your income from the same company on top of that. And you know, there's a an additional amount of risk in the sense that you work at this company as well that should also, you know, be accounted for as well. Yeah, very good point. So thank you for that question, Dave. Tied in perfectly to this conversation on uh, not retiring when you want to because of some some issues along the way, and company stock can be a big part of that plan. If in the, in those mistakes, if you put too much into your company and, and invest too much in that, so I get why you why you would be very positive being in that situation and having a lot of confidence, but you just never know what's going to happen uh, down the road. That's why you want to diversify, and that's what we talk about here quite a bit. So let's shift into our our main topic today, and that's bias in financial media. You know, it's always good to keep yourself up to date with what's happening in the financial world, but it's also important to understand that the information you get from the media isn't completely unbiased, sad, but true. Uh, so let's talk about some of the problems with the financial media. And really this can kind of cover media in general because of the way media is, I guess the goals for media now and, and what they're trying to accomplish. A lot of times it's entertainment. So the first thing that we see all the time now, and you see it, if you're ever online, you know, you see that great headline that you click on and all of a sudden, you know, you're reading the story and it doesn't really tie into what you what got you there in the first place. It either doesn't give you the, the results you wanted or is is completely wrong altogether or misleading altogether. It's sensationalism. That's a big, big part of bias right now. Well, we actually have retirement workshops that we talk about media influence. It's the fourth chapter of our workshop that we talk about. And it is such a big role in the minds of people on a, on a daily basis. You got to feed the beast, right? It's 24 hours news cycle and people are constantly looking at it. There's ads that are coming up or information coming up on your phone, your iPad, your television set. So it really is everywhere. And we talk about the different types of biases just so that when people come into this you know, workshop, one of the things that we want to talk about is you know, making sure that they're aware that they might have some bias already built into them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these people are 60 years or older that are coming in and, you know, you're, what do they say? Can't really change the stripes on a zebra. And yeah, the reason for, you know, that they've been accustomed to taking information in a certain way, creates some of these biases and media is no different in that. So one of the things that we see is, you know, one to two people probably coming in a month bringing in or bringing up a topic on maybe CNBC, Fox Business News, you, know, you name it. But you know, at the end of the day, that reality of what they're talking about most of the time does not have any bearing on your overall financial goals and, uh, and how to accomplish it. I think it's important to have the information brought up 
and to be informed. But I think sometimes almost it's like fiction into somebody's reality. And, you know, really, I think it goes back to taking that information, discussing it with the client and to just really figure out if this information is even relevant to their their lives. Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Uh, another aspect of bias is paid placement. And I think this is really, uh, we've seen this really become a problem since you know the advent of, of digital media because there's so many clever and creative ways that people are able to present their message in a way that doesn't look like it's an advertisement. And that can really trip you up because all of a sudden you think that something's a great product, but little did you know, the company is actually the one pushing you that message. Yeah. I, I actually, over the break, Sunday morning had a golf channel on and it was sponsored by a retirement company. And right there, it was basically showing Webb Simpson, kind of his journey as a pro golfer for any of those follow golf. But one of his sponsors is a, is a retirement planning company. And then it would break into, you know, basically paid advertisement about them. Uh, another one, NPR, obviously has a, a probably pretty good overall uh, record in, in people's minds in terms of being objective. You know, Ed Slot has a show on there on Sundays. A lot of times I've seen Fisher Investments. I'm not saying that all these people are not providing good information, right? but and and that it's or inherently wrong. That's not what I'm saying. And and that they do provide some brand awareness, obviously for themselves, and probably some awareness about some certain topics that are helping to inform people. But sometimes I think it can be a little bit misleading quite quickly for people because you see these people on television automatically. They're they they have recognition, and that might not mean anything to you because you could be basically the wrong audience for what they're actually talking about. And I think it's my job as an advisor to talk about you know, all the pros and cons out there that when people might bring in a topic that they saw on television and whether or not to let them know, first off, you know, does it make any sense for us to talk further about this? Does it have any relevancy to your situation? Sometimes the answer is it does. And sometimes the answer is that it really doesn't have any uh, relevancy as uh, with regards to their situation. I think, though, it's also important that if one person brings it up to us, there's probably a chance that there's a couple others that probably also have it on their minds. Yeah. Um, and if we have a couple people in that you know month or two or three, also bring it up if that's you know three people then it's probably a good chance that there's probably in the minds of a good bunch of others out there so a lot of times we'll also make some type of public statement to our clients because that you know to me that means that other people are seeing it and it might be on their minds as well so we we don't want to dissuade people from bringing up that topic because you know we're there as their advisor we want them to bring that information to us and it's, you know, having our ability to give them an objective response as to whether or not that's something that they should be even mindful of. Yeah, that's an important part of the relationship is, is being able to open up and share ideas and, and be welcome to feedback if you're wrong. If I bring in an idea and it does not fit me, I got to be prepared to hear that no and, and, and know and trust that you are doing it in my best interests along the way. But you hey, mentioned... Nope. Go ahead. But I was going to say, nobody wants to feel like they're missing out on anything. Like the newest idea, the newest you know planning uh, method or or product or something like that. And I think that's a lot of times why you know people are bringing up not not always necessarily that they 
need it. It just makes sure that they're maybe not missing out on something. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, you mentioned wrong audience uh, in that answer, and that's the third problem. You know, just kind of talk about how the messaging that you're seeing or maybe something that you're watching, you know, if it's a financial show, the information could be correct uh, for some people. But just because that investment advice or whatever it is they're talking about is good for some people doesn't necessarily mean it works for you and your plan. Yeah, I I think one of the ones that really comes up or comes to mind is that the Roth conversion. And uh, it's basically a strategy to flip over some of the money or in your maybe IRA or 401k and pay the taxes today. And there could be some reasons for that. But one of the general, I call it common financial advice that is given is, you know, really never pay a tax before it's due. Or, you know, if you're in your 60s, it doesn't make any sense to do Roth conversions because it's something that should be done for people that are younger. And yeah, that that might be the case. But what brings to mind a, a situation was somebody that came in in the last month and they're a new client. And when they came in, they're predominantly were concerned about, you know, not missing anything in, in with regards to their retirement planning and, you know, making sure that their investments are allocated. And one of the things that they basically said, you know, I'll plan to take my IRA 401k money when I'm, you know, in my 70s, I'll let it continue to build up there. Uh, he's 63 years old and and she was 62. And so one of the things that you know, my job is to do is to, you know, try to be objective with looking at everything. I, I know it is their plan to maybe delay that money and taking it, but there could be some reasons why that might not be the case. So for example, he was looking for an income of about a hundred thousand dollars. The social security that was going to be provided was going to be about forty thousand uh, dollars between him and his wife. They had about sixty thousand coming from pensions and annuities. So on the surface, with their plan, it it worked out just fine. But when you maybe peel back the onion a little bit more and kind of look at other sources of income that they could use, it it showed that when they were going to get to their RMD time, when they had to start taking that money out of their four hundred one k and IRA, they're actually going to be in a twenty two percent tax bracket. And if you, in their case, with some planning, we were able to see that, well, if you delayed your social security and used another source of income, like their cash account, which they had a large amount of their nest egg in a regular taxable account, they could actually do Roth conversions at 12%, basically pay their taxes today on a portion, $40,000 each and every year up until they hit their requirement distribution age at, at 12%. That's an 84% tax savings in terms of how much they were going to pay in taxes on that IRA money. So I didn't tell them that, you know, that that's what they had to do. But it, when I brought that information to them, they've never even considered that because they thought they were too old to do Roth conversions at this time. Huh. That's good to know. And that's why you always work with somebody to to figure out those numbers and, and what's the best plan of attack for you. But let's get to one more problem and bias before we uh, wrap it all up. And that's, you know, depending on who you're listening to, always kind of keep the message and take it with a grain of salt because, 
you never know who's got an axe to grind. They could either have been burned by a product before, they could be getting commission from a product, so they're pushing it harder. Just always be aware that there could be that bias because there is an axe to grind. Yeah, you know, I think, as I said, especially for those people planning or near retirement, if it's a part of their nest egg, we really need to be understanding, you know, why they're really listening to stock market analysts as it relates to their retirement planning. It's one thing if it's if it's your quote unquote fun money and it's something that you like to do on the side with a you know, small portion of, of your nest egg. But it's another if you're trying to create a predictable retirement income. And I think at the end of the day, you know, working with an independent financial advisor who's you know focused on the area, in this case perhaps retirement, that you know is trustworthy and a subject matter expert, they're gonna make sure that they'll be able to give you whether or not that stock analyst's recommendation on a certain stock, you know, makes any sense. I mean, again, it's it's great when they bring that information to you, but I think also at some point you need to set a precedent that, you know, that really doesn't have any place for your, you know, overall retirement planning needs there. So that's where I would probably go with that if, if that made some sense. Yeah, no, it does. I wish I had more fun money uh, since you mentioned <laughs> that. But but yeah, that's that's for sure. You should really be uh, not taking your advice on that if, if that's part of your retirement plan. You know, And that's that's why you set up a strategy. That's why you sit down and have a, these steps and put these steps in place so that you can get to your goal and not have to worry about you know, the newest product or the hottest thing or making, you know, emotional decisions on stuff you might've heard on TV or read online somewhere. So just be aware. That's the bottom line that, you know, we want to try to get to you today is just be aware of what you're listening to. Understand that there is bias, you know, whether or not it's always intentional, uh, there is bias in human nature, just in human beings in general. But you got to be aware of that when you're taking your financial news and getting your research from some of these sources, you've got to be aware of that. So I know you welcome it. You mentioned it. You know, you welcome people coming into your office um, at Cardinal Wealth Group and, and bringing these ideas to you and saying, hey, I saw something. Give me some feedback. That's right. Yeah. So make sure you do that. You can reach out to Anthony and connect with him a couple of different ways. You can find him online at cardinalwg.com or you can call him at 609-605-2808. They're serving all of uh, South Jersey, Philly, all the surrounding areas, but their office is right there in Cherry Hill. So look them up and uh, make sure you take care of these biases and do not fall uh, into the trap that a lot of the media is maybe trying to lure you into. So it's your money and you want to take care of it. Well, Anthony, appreciate the time on this episode. Looking forward to the next one uh, coming up in a couple weeks. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.